How many of you have been enjoying the worship emphasis week? Now, my prayer is that, as, I, as we were praying, is that whatever starts tonight doesn't end here in this sanctuary, but continues, not only through this semester, not only through, you know, Elam, but out in the world. So, I'm going to start this evening by asking you a question, and I truly want you to think about the question that I'm going to ask you. Now, this is the question that I have for you. What is the benefit, or in other words, what do we gain from the Asbury experience? Let's think for a moment. Now, some people call it revival. Other, other people call it a move of God. Other call, calls the experience a steering of God. No matter what you call it, when God moves and stirs the heart, whether it's revival or not, that's, that, that's not what matters. But when God moves, what do we gain from it? You can see some of your wheels. I like that. I like to make you think a little bit. I know it's 7 p.m. and it's snowing outside and it's kind of hard to think sometimes. Now, obviously and hopefully, the answer is change. Or some kind of change. Of course, a move of God inspires us, encourages us. It brings repentance. It brings conviction. You know, it brings passion and zeal for Him. You know, all of those things are good things. But that's all we gain. Which, again, is not bad, because that's the point of that. These things don't replace the need of spiritual maturity. Encouragement, again, as I said, encouragement, passion, inspiration, repentance, conviction, are all good things, but they can't replace spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity happens in the battlefield of our lives. It happens when you need to get up at 7 a.m. to go to class, or 7.58 to go to an 8 a.m. class for some of us. It happens when you go to work at 4 a.m. in the morning to work in Duncan, like poor Michael. It happens when you need to do your work study, your SOS, when you have bills to pay and you don't have resources, or when you have family issues, or you need to deal with your roommates, or your co-workers. Hopefully my roommate is pretty good, so she deals with me. Or when you go through struggles and tribulations, hardships, that's when the maturity starts taking place. 
That's where spiritual maturity starts to develop. This is why we can't continually live the rest of our lives seeking, only seeking to experience God or experience His move. We cannot just go after a mountaintop experience, after another mountaintop experience, after another move of God. Think about it. You can't live in Osbury forever. Just like Moses, when he was, you know, with the Lord in the mountaintop, he couldn't just stay there forever. He needed to come down to the valley. He needed to do life. We can't really cancel classes, although we all would like to, right? We can't really not go to work. I mean, you have bills to pay. You cannot really just call the company and say, I'm so sorry, I'm experiencing, you know, a revival, so I'm not paying the bills today. You can't live on the mountain time experience. Now, before you crucify me, I'm not saying that a move of God is bad. In fact, listen carefully, because I don't want to say, well, Gabriel said. No, Gabriel didn't say. The move of God is good, beneficial. In fact, we are glad that some of you went to experience it. We're glad that we have a week of prayer. Did you enjoy a week of prayer? Was it great? Right? We're glad that we can have chapel times. I'm so in. I'm all in for worshiping, for staying after chapel and continue singing. I'm all in for having worship services where we can express our act of worship through prayer, through bowing down, through giving. I'm all in. So that's, that's not the problem. The problem is we can't live the rest of our lives there. Life needs to continue. We need to continue living. And that's why I started my, question, the, my, my message this evening with this question. What do we gain from the experience? You know? Revival comes when an unbeliever gets safe, and the Spirit of God dwells in them, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They were dead in their transgressions and sins, separated from the Lord. They get safe. The move of God in Christians who are rebellious, not living according to what the Word of God says, when the move of God happens, it brings repentance. It needs to bring repentance and change. So they choose to live a life of worship. Now you say, Gabriel, but how about us? We're not really in rebellion. We are actually actively seeking the Lord. What does a move of God do for us? Well, it deepens your passion and seal that you have for the Lord. 
And all, again, all of those things are very good. I'm all for it. Because I know some of you are perplexed what I'm saying. They are good. But the danger is they can't replace spiritual maturity. Again, think about it. We can't stay in the mountaintop forever. It's just not possible. We need to continue living our lives. Spiritual maturity develops, again, on the battlefield of our lives in moments when a family member dies and your faith is put into the test. In moments when somebody hurts you deeply or offended you, and in that moment you need to choose to forgive and let bitterness go. And that's where our maturity starts to develop. And I feel that the Lord allows this situation, you know, the trials, tribulation, hardships, because he's working in our character. Now, if you have your Bibles, which I truly hope you do, or your phones, this is what James say. Uh, if you open up to James chapter 1. This is how the book of James describes our growth and spiritual maturity. James chapter 1. It says this. I'm going to read from the ESV, so you might have a different translation, but I'm going to read from the ESV. It says, My brethren... Count it, all, count it all for joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hmm. Let's meditate on that for a moment. We are to rejoice when we go through trials. Now, let's go to Romans 5, if you can go to Romans 5. I think Paul describes it more clearly there. Look at Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to give you a little bit of time until you find it. But Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have patience with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, Paul is saying, Look, you were dead in your sin, in your transgressions, and then revival happened to you. Salvation happened to you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happened to you. But the interesting thing is that Paul doesn't end chapter 5 and verse 2. 
He doesn't close and say, yep, revival happened. You're all set. Thanks for listening. You're good to go. Let's see what verse 3 says. Verse 3. Not only that, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hold up, hold up. Hold your Ecuadorian horses, Paul. Hold your horses here. You mean that sufferings and trials come after revival? What do you mean? So we need to ask the question, why does Paul say that? Like, he mentions, you know, you were given the Spirit of the Lord. You were dead, now you're alive. Now you are in his kingdom. Revival took place. But then Paul says, hmm, not only that, it's interesting how he starts verse 3 by saying, not only that, and then he says, rejoice in our sufferings. Why do you think Paul continues verse 3 to say that we need to rejoice in our sufferings? And he, and he gives the list because, you know, sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I think the answer is, Because after revival, development comes. Our journey for spiritual maturity begins. And you wonder, how does that happen? How does our journey for spiritual maturity begin? Well, if you read verse 3, it says what? When you go through trials, when you go through sufferings, because they will work. In our character. And that's what I'm after tonight. This is kind of like a part two of what Pastor Tim Case preached yesterday. If you remember his, his message, he spoke of the importance of being worshipers and how we as worshipers are servants of the Lord. We need to serve the Lord. And in order to serve the Lord, we need to develop our spiritual maturity. And a spiritual maturity is more than just a mountaintop experience with God. Again, I need to emphasize this. I am all in for worship services. I'm all in for prayer. In fact, we're encouraging. In fact, you know, we want this to happen. Of course, we cannot fabricate it. We cannot push it down your throat. We cannot, you know, force it. But we encourage it. We, you know, we want to do it. So I'm all in for those things. But what Paul is teaching us here is that there is more than just a mountaintop experience with God, which is good. He's saying to us and reminding us that 
The Lord is after our character, after our spiritual maturity. And that's why it's more than just seeking after a mountaintop experience. As I said, Pastor Tim mentioned yesterday, we're called to be worshipers. We are not called only uh, we are not only called to a moment of worship, but a life of worship that begins in our hearts and moves through every aspect of our lives. And this is how I s- summarize it, what he said. I say this. We become worshipers by fervently serving the Lord and obeying Him at all cost. Now, let's go, let's go to Philippians 3. Promise it's only two more uh, Bible verses. We're going to land in Philippians 3. We're going to go um, to another um, book of the Bible in a moment. But let's go to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Now, there, Paul is speaking about, you know, the fully knowing Christ. And he tells, you know, the readers there that he hasn't obtained the full knowledge, meaning he hasn't been able to fully know Christ. And this has, you know, caused him to not achieve full maturity yet. Like imagine, the Apostle Paul is still saying, hey, I'm not perfect yet. But this is what he says in verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12. Now that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of what, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, do not consider, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other, Paul, in, in other words, the Apostle Paul recognizes that he's not perfect in knowing the Lord. And because of this, he's not been able to be like Christ and achieve spiritual maturity. And of course, he knows that here on earth, because we still have sinful nature, we won't be able to ever be perfect. Yet, and this is a big yet, he encouraged us to pursue a spiritual maturity during our time on earth. Now, this is the last verse I will read, and then we'll go back to Philippians 3. We can go to Ephesians 4. I think there, Paul says it very clear. Ephesians 4, verse 11 16. This is what he says. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of that statue, stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, listen to this, as a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, 
by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head that is Christ. We are encouraged to pursue spiritual maturity. And that's what Paul is reminding us. That's the goal of Christian life, is that when we have a move of God, we're able to start our journey of maturity. We're able to go out to the world and preach the gospel. We're able to deepen our passion and seal for the Lord to the point that reading your Bible doesn't feel like a chore. To the point that we are so on fire for the Lord that we want to serve Him. So when trials and tribulation come, we're able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because that's where the character gets developed. When you're able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you're able to control your temper. When people push your buttons. When you're able to know that the Lord is with you, even, in you, if, even if you feel, even if you don't feel Him. When you're able to say, Lord, this person offended me, yet I forgive them, and not just that, I bless them. Those are signs of spiritual maturity. It's not just, you know, worshiping for 20 minutes. But it's to say like the prophet Habakkuk said. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines... If the yield of the olives fails and the fields produce no food, even if the flag disappears from the fold and there are no cattle in the stall, and he says this, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Both Job and the prophet Habakkuk are an inspiration to us to say, I am going to worship the Lord in spite of the circumstances around me. I am going to worship the Lord even if things make no sense. I am going to worship the Lord even if my prayers were not answered. I am going to stay firm in the fact that God is with me even if things didn't go my way. And that's what true worship comes, what developing your spiritual maturity is. is for us to be worshipers 24-7. 
is us being able to serve the Lord in spite of any bad situation. And you know, and to be honest with you, of course, the move of God is very good and very nice. It's a very good experience. But our call, as you continue seeking the Lord, is to seek Him, is to trust in Him, is to be able to bless Him when there's no music, when there's no chapel. Is taking this out to a world that needs it. Because the world needs it. We need to be able to preach to others. We can't keep it here. Although this is very good, we can't keep it here. Can't be contained. We need to serve the Lord. We need to go out. We need to preach with our sample to our families our friends, we need to actively pursue Him, knowing Him, so that our character and maturity develops. So let's go back to Philippians 3. That's the verse that I'll be using. Paul says in verse 13, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here we need to answer two questions. Here's the two questions we need to answer. One, what does pressing on look like in our daily lives? And two, What is that goal that Paul is talking about here? Because I believe that if we answer those questions, we will be able to determine our goal in life. And I believe that determining our goal in life is very important. Some people think that their goal in life is to make money. Other people think that their goal in life is to get married. You know, like Gillian Bridal. Other people think that their goal in life is to have a big family. Although I only want two kids. Only two kids. Other people think that their goal in life is just to go to church and be good. And that's it. Other people think that their goal in life is just to seek after God's hand and His signs and experience Him. But I think that if we are able to answer these two questions, we will be able to determine determining 
what Paul is saying here. Because I don't think Paul is saying here that the goal for him was to just seek a move of God, although it's good. I don't think he's saying here that he's just trying to achieve success. It doesn't look that way. This is how the NIV puts it, verse 13. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, the goal that Paul has in mind is his eternal inheritance. Is heaven. That's what Paul is thinking. He was working and persevering through trials because his eyes were set on heaven and receiving his eternal inheritance. And how does Paul receive his internal inheritance? Well, verse 14 says, by pressing on. By actively moving forward, by actively pushing ahead in this life and earth. Now, to put it plainly, Paul is saying, listen, I live my life in view of the thing that is to come. In view of heaven, in view of wanting to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Paul is, that's what his goal is. His goal is to hearing those words, to hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the goal he said before him. So he presses on in this life. He presses on into serving the king, into pushing for knowing more of God, seeking after him. So that he can be a spiritually mature and he can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what the goal is. So I think Paul reminds all of us Christians that our goal is the same in life. Our goal should be to serve the King of Kings. So when we get to heaven, we hear well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we are after, is serving God, is pushing, pressing on through the hardships of life, moving forward to spiritual maturity so we can also hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know, life is filled with responsibilities, bills to pay, assignments to do, trials, sufferings to endure. In those moments is when we need to press into being worshipers who serve God and obtain spiritual maturity. So tonight, I want us to 
just get deeper in our relationship with the Lord. I want us to not seek only for a moment or only for a move. But I want us to develop our spiritual maturity. I want us to press on to seek after the King of Kings. So, if you stand up with me, if you can stand on your feet, and we can have the worship team back. Now, we'll give them a few moments because I know, you know, the worship team gets back in and then, you know, people look at the worship team and they're like, oh, hi, how are you? But this is what I'm going to have you do tonight. Knowing that our goal is serving the Lord, being worshipers, being a person who endures to trials, to tribulations. I want us to close our eyes just to avoid distractions, nothing like any nothing mystical here, nothing deep, just to avoid distractions. And I, I, we don't, I don't want music yet. So let's hold up on the music. This is for you guys too. Tonight, I want us to examine our hearts. To see if we are in the right track, on the right track towards spiritual maturity. So I'm going to ask you eight questions, which you don't need to answer them out loud. But I truly want you to think. Because these questions will help us see if we're in the right track towards spiritual maturity. So, this is the first question. The first question. Am I purposely reading the Word of God because I want to more about Him? Or do I treat it more like a chore? And this is where you need to be honest with the Lord. Two, am I anchoring myself in the Lord when I go through hardships? Or am I putting my trust on my own strength? Three, am I letting my feelings control me? Or am I putting my trust in the Lord and truly know that He is with me even if I don't feel Him? Four. Am I keeping a heart of worship in times of trials and when things don't go my way? And just like Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Or am I having a bad attitude towards going through a trial and tribulation?
5. Have I let go of the bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone that deeply hurt me or offended me? Am I actively praying for them and blessing them? Or may I still hold them captive? Just three more. Am I loving my neighbor in spite of our differences? Am I controlling my temper, being slow to anger, gentle and kind towards those who push my buttons? Or am I harsh, to, harsh towards them? And the last one. Am I trying to do all things in excellence and unto the Lord, even if I don't feel like it? Or am I constantly having a bad attitude towards things and just want to do them halfway? And remember, that's honesty between you and the Lord. Now, these questions are helping us to examine our hearts to be able to move forward. These questions are not for you to feel condemned. I'm not asking you these questions so you feel bad. That's not the point. The point is not for you to feel bad about this. The point is for us to be able to press on with our eyes set on the goal, which is heaven, which is serving the King of Kings, worshiping and serving the King of Kings, so if you're like me, that I fail, then I get up again, then I again fail, then I get up again, and then I fail again. I can tell you this. You are on the right track towards spiritual maturity. And you know, you may fail again. And that's what I want you to say. Don't overthink it. Just get up again. Because as we were singing, I'm not perfect. And I don't think we'll ever be perfect. So again, the point of these questions is not to push us down or to make us feel bad. It's to help us press on to a deeper relationship with the Lord. So, if you struggle answering some of these questions, what I would like us to do is to take a few minutes and you can just speak with the Lord where you are. You can come to the front if you want. The point is not coming to the front. The point is to just be honest with God. So you're invited. If you want to come to the front, that's fine. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But let's be honest with the King of Kings and say, Lord, I fail you many times. I do things I shouldn't do. I don't do things I should do. Sometimes I seek after the miracles and the signs and the experience and not so much after you. 
Sometimes I lose my temper with others. Sometimes going to chapel is like a chore. Sometimes going to church is like a chore. Sometimes, if I'm honest with you, I feel like you're not with me or you don't care. Sometimes, instead of praying for those who have hurt me, I honestly want to curse them. And sometimes, I want to have my way. So I give you this couple of minutes. We're not going to play any music yet because I don't want to create any emotion. I want us to spend this couple of minutes just being honest and open to the Lord and saying, Lord, help us to seek after you. And I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, because I fell, because I'm not there yet. Lord, please help me because I need you. And in a few, we're going to start playing a little bit of music. But just take the time, just between you and the Lord, where you are. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are with me, that you care for me. Lord, I pray that you help me to press on, to know you more, to not go after a feeling. but to truly read your word with passion and hunger. Help me to love you. Help me to love others. Help me to forgive those who have hurt me. Help me to be a true worshiper person who is a living sacrifice for you. And as I come to chapel or spend time in prayer, Lord, examine my heart and help me to grow more in you. Help me to be like you. Because we know that there are people 
out there that need to know about you. Help me to control my tongue. Help me to endure through trials and sufferings. And I'm sorry if I have questioned you. Like we were singing, God, my heart is yours. My emotions are yours. Everything in me is yours, Jesus. So help us, Lord, to be worshipers, to serve you. We thank you, King of Kings.
thank you so much because this is all about you Father we 
thank you for the things you have speaking to us this worship and this week. Lord, we thank you for how good you are, how kind you are. Lord, help us to continue to live a life of worship that honors you. Lord, thank you that there is no one like you. Thank you that you are kind and you're always with us. You are the only one that deserves everything. The honor, the glory is yours. We bow down before you, King of Kings, to say thank you for who you are. But I pray for EBINC. Lord, that you help all of us to continue pressing on. To help us to know you more. To help us to seek after you. Help us to love you. Help us to just give you our lives and our dreams. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And I bless the students, the staff. Thank you for the things you are doing. Thank you for your move and steering our hearts. And as we end tonight, help us to continue this worship as we go out as we do our assignments as we go to work help us to do it everything unto you help us to serve you and worship you king of kings we praise you your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen.